All right. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Good to be back in a familiar place, right? And good to see all of your faces. Um, oh, I miss you guys too. Miss you guys too. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm always in talks. Me and Mac, we talk at least, you know, two times, three to three times a month, and, and we, we catch up on just life and fatherhood because he now has four kids like me. <laughs> uh, and, and we talk about City West, and it's just a joy to see um, what started in his heart and what God has placed on his heart to see that you guys are doing major things over here and that there is a church, there's a community of believers on this side of the city that is uh, bringing a very true and real and authentic message of the hope in Jesus Christ. So that's, that's awesome. I've, I'm privileged and honored to be here. I'm just a little old guy, you know, just trying to, trying to do what the Lord has called me to do. And so I look at Mac as the older brother, the mentor. Um, and so when he, when he hits my phone and says, hey, man, can you, can you step in and bring the word? I, I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be there. I started studying as soon as he texted me, right? Um, and so what we're going to do is I'm just going to pick up where you guys have been, which is dealing with the I Am statements in the book in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to be specifically in chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 today, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to give you my, my Sunday school lesson, and then we're going to go on our way. Amen. All right, so here we are. John 15, 1 through 5, the scripture reads like this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, is, unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart, from apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we deal with those five verses today, I kind of want to give you a, just a, a title if you're taking some notes. Title of this sermon, this message is going to be The Source of Fruitful Living. The Source a fruitful living. I want to just bow for a word of prayer. We can never pray enough to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you right now just for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning, God. The fact that you've allowed all of us here to have breath in our lungs, to wake up, to make it here in a timely fashion, to hear a timely word. God, we thank you that you have been gracious enough even through our mistakes, even through our missteps and our turns away from you in the moments throughout the week. We were negligent to who you are and who you are to us. God, we thank you for this time to commune together as a community of believers that we can encourage each other, that we can hope again, that we can be convicted, that we can be broken by the word as to be built up again, to be stronger, to be better, and to look more like your son. God, I ask right now, Father, that you would speak through me, that you would give me concision of speech, clarity of mind, and that there would be power and clarity in what you're saying through me has to help the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The source of fruitful living, Lisa Fields. Lisa Fields is a very important person to me. Um, she is the creator and kind of the brand ambassador for Jude 3. Jude 3 is an apologetic organization. She's a Christian apologist um, who, who has a major stance in my life. The content that I've been able to observe, I've discovered Lisa Fields and the Jude 3 Project maybe about two to three years ago, just in looking for some new podcasts to listen to uh, while getting ready to go to work. And when I found this, I found it to be very rich and to be very um, 
uh, invigorating for me as a man, as a, as a believer, that is very interested in the apologetics to be able to give a defense, to be able to explain, to help those that are in unbelief understand, but most importantly also evangelize them to the hope that is in Jesus Christ. The content that you find on her YouTube, that you find on her podcast and the other media streams will be very helpful and sanctifying in our walk. Now, at this moment in time, she's doing a series, a, a series of videos and roundtables entitled Why I Left the Church. This features people who were formerly committed in the church. This features people who walked in the Orthodox faith that we all tap into and have been saved by. But the difference is that they have turned away from the very things that we love. They have since walked out on the church, and I wanted to know why. I, I listened to the roundtables, and I heard all of these um, different discussions and, and reasons why they left and why they don't plan on returning. These reasons range from lack of transparency of leaders. Um, these reasons range from the community that they were a part of. That church community was no longer beneficial to them. They, they felt like what they needed and what they wanted, they couldn't get from that, that community. Um, there was no explanation of hard questions about biblical text. No one could give them answers. Um, there was a refusal of the church and the community that they were a part of to accept worldly practices and norms. Traditionalistic programs and denominational practices also pushed them away because it felt at times cult-like. But in all of these things, I tried to get to the core of it. I understand that there was a dislike, there was a disdain that caused them to turn away, but I wanted to know what was the core. And when I, when I really dug a little bit deeper and listened more intently, I found out that many of these people had connected to things that was not supposed to give them substance and fruit. Right. They, they they connected to traditions. They connected to their particular denomination. They connected to the community engagement of the church. They connected to specific leaders and the items listed. And all of these things that I stated before are things that are uh, Jesus adjacent, but they are not Jesus. And I think it's a stark reminder to us today as believers that when we find our source in things that are outside of Christ, although they may be the church, although they may be elders and pastors, although they may be theological de denominations and doctrines, those things do not bear the fruit that we need that we find in Jesus. And I think the text today further helps us as Jesus is going through these teachings. He's dealing with this I am statements and he hits them on the head. The disciples, he's talking to them in the midst of chapter. Uh, Chapter 14, he talks about this oneness, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The latter part of 14, he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit, that as I go away, there will be a helper that comes. And here's Jesus in the upper room discourse, further dealing with the disciples of what's impending and coming, that I'm the true vine, that the source of your fruitfulness, the source of your development and growth will come from me. And when we find ourselves outside of that, we will always find ourselves like those former believers that have since turned away. That if we don't find ourselves connected to Jesus as believers, we need to be uh, finding ourselves remaining in continuous intimacy with Christ to stay fruitful and committed in service to him. That, that's the heart of what this text says. That's what Jesus wanted the disciples to know. That's what this message, although spoke and talked and, and, and written over thousands of years ago, that's what it screams to us during this moment in time. This very sentiment is that we find Jesus teaching that in the text. It's simple, a foundational truth, but sometimes it can be missed. This text is in the Gospel of John. It's the fourth 
of the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're all familiar with that. We know our Bibles, right? But there's some nuance here in the book of John that helps us understand this better. See, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all deal with the historical narrative of who Jesus is, that he is this person, this figure from birth to ministry to all of the signs and wonders to ultimately the passion and leading up to Calvary. But John does something different. John writes about the deity of Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he has come to bring new life and that your belief in him, it's available to you. It, it's written between 85 and 95 AD in, in Ephesus in a very particular place where there's a big developing Christian community happening amongst Gentile believers. That this, this wave and this move of God is happening amongst people that are outside of what we would call the nation of Israel. These, these, gen, these Gentiles are hearing this gospel, hearing this truth, and John writes this and takes a chord of the, 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 this narrative accord of who Jesus is, and he is the son of God, and it's a book that has a purpose that says that all may believe on me. Not that they believe in traditions or customs and things, but that they would believe that I too am the son of God. I, I, I am the Messiah that has come to build the bridge to be reunited with God the Father. And so when we get into the text of this, here in chapter 15, Jesus teaching the disciples about this relationship that needs to develop between themselves and Christ, that he is the source that yields fruitfulness. And I think first thing I want you to see in this that's very important is that our fruitfulness in Christ will require pruning. Our fruitfulness in Christ will require pruning. Jesus says, I am the vine. He opens the chapter uh, in a continued teaching of what was to come. And he uses this imagery of agriculture and farmer to really help the disciples see uh, the symbiotic relationship that needs to happen between follower, between uh, those that have placed their faith in Jesus and what he and the father work hand in hand to do in the life of the believer. That Jesus is the true vine. He's the source of good fruit that can only be produced in and through him. And God is the cultivator of that fruit as the dresser of the vine. The picture of the Godhead in perfect harmony, that here's Jesus submitting to God the Father for God to do the work in through the power of who Christ is as the vine. That, that we as branches, as followers, are connected to this vine and are in good hands not to only grow, let's not miss this, but to also yield fruit. We, 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 we grow in Christ, but we also yield this fruit that shows this inner working of what Jesus is doing on the inside of us. That, that this transformative work that's happening on the inside through the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit, God wants us and expects us to yield fruit for others to see so that people can see the consistent work of God in our lives, so that people can see that there is something on the inside that I may not see every day. They may not see the prayers, the, the community. They may not see the scripture reading, but they can see that from those items, from that obedience to God, there's something that is bare because of that. And Jesus wants them to know that, that, that in verse 2, he says, the branches that do not bear fruit, he takes away. The, the branches that aren't bearing any fruit, they, 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 there may be, um, you know, branches that have just not, there's no fruit there, there's no sign of, of work that's happening on the inside, takes them away. But the Father does something different in the latter part of verse 2. He says that every branch, it's a stark contrast there, that the branch that bears fruit, it's a requirement that if we are bearing fruit, God is pruning us. 
pruning is a, I didn't know what that meant when I first got into it. I, I don't have a green thumb, my wife does, or she, she thinks she does. But um, I had to kind of look up some things, right? And, and I got into this whole, you know, deep, dark hole of horticulture and tools and all of these things. And I started to think about how could I better make my yard look at my house? But the Lord had to refocus my mind, right? <laughs> but that horticulture, that idea of pruning is that the, the, the farmer goes to uh, and removes and reduces certain parts of the plant, the tree, or the vine. That, that things that are not there to help the growth or the production and the development of that plant. It may no longer be visually pleasing or helping for the development of the plant. You see, branches that are connected to the vine, we are to be producing fruit, yet God, at the time of us producing this fruit, is still cutting away, extracting parts that will hinder our growth and ability to bear more fruit. This process of pruning seen uh, as the way is how the Lord disciplines us in what he wants more external signs and productivity of the internal transformation. When we hear that word pruning, and when I looked it up, it just helped me see that that's the way Jesus explained how God disciplines us for the sake of holiness and godliness. That, that as we are looking more like Christ, it's not enough just to do that from one week to the next. God is concerned of how we're doing that day in and day out, week in and week out. And sometimes, as, as very feeble-minded believers, we get very list oriented. Well, look at what I've done this week. And the Lord says, there's more for you to do. There's more for you to show. And if you allow me to discipline you, if you allow me to expose the dark parts and the hidden spots of your life to prune away, there's more that can happen. And I think we missed the good news in the text is that 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 the good news is that God is not just pruning us for happenstance. He's he's not in the business of just tearing us down, disciplining us for no reason. No, the latter part of verse two says that he prunes it so that you may bear what more fruit. That you may do more, that, there, that there's more, there's a higher calling in your walk with Christ than just what you can do right now in this season, right? And you may be in a season where you're comfortable with the fruit that you're bearing, but God wants you to know that you really need to be uncomfortable, that there needs to be a desire to allow him to prune more from your life. The God we serve understands that our fruit uh, bearing is wonderful and a beautiful sign of what Christ through the Holy Spirit is doing, but God knows that the character of God is, is a everlasting character. He's a faithful and, and everlasting God. And that character trait he wants to expose even in us. That, that there's more faithfulness to our fruit bearing. That, that we can actually gain more fruit for others to see of how great and how powerful God is and how transformative is the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And if, if, if there's to be more fruit that needs to be uh, to be bare, there has to be a need for things to be cut away and driven out in regards to our fleshly and sinful nature. I said this before, we can get excited about things that we see in our walk with Christ. We can get excited about the progress that we make that we become standstill. We, we, we stand right in the middle of that because we understand that the deeper we go, the, the more we spend time in the word, there's more opportunity for God to expose things. The more time we spend in prayer, there's more opportunity for God to speak to us about the things that we aren't doing. Not in a place of, of, of just anger and hatred, but out of a place of love. That God loves us so much. The consistent bearing of a, a real God-authenticated fruit shows the branch committed to turning away. That, that we have to, and God is pruning us, we need to be committed and in those prunings that we're turning away from that sinful nature and those processes that are a part of us every day when we awake. You see, 
Some food can give us a false presentation of what internally is happening, but over time it's revealed. It's no different than the food. My daughter is a uh, avid cook, my, my baby girl. She has this pot that we bought her with all of this fake you know, broccoli and carrots. And when my wife is in the kitchen, she's in the living room stirring up something, right? And from a far enough glance, you would think that that looks real and very similar to even us today, that there's some fruit that we may be bearing that to the, to the, to the untrained eye, it can look like something of substance. But God knows our heart. And the people that we do life with and the people that are in our circles, they understand that those things are just things we put up because we want to hide from the fact that God is wanting to do more in us. We want to hide from the fact that there's another level of maturity, there's another level of prayer, of growth that we can get to if we understand that our fruitfulness in Christ is made by the pruning from the vine dresser who is God the Father. The vine dresser, God loves us so much that he wants to make sure we are healthy and producing good fruit, not spoiled, not rotten, not things that hinder true development, but beautiful branches of the vine. Um, my job, I, I've been, had the opportunity for the last 11 years to be a music educator, a band director, and in this season of my, my teaching career, I'm a percussion director at two campuses. And as a director, I spent a lot of time dealing and developing young musicians young percussionists from sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade. One of the things I have to constantly do is I have to uh, rid my students of habits that will keep them from developing as a solid percussionist. These are things like misreading rhythms. Um, these are things such as using the wrong technique for certain passages in the music or reading the wrong notes out of an excerpt of music. Now, that student may say, well, at least I played the right rhythm but you played the wrong note. Well, well, at least I played this in time, but you used the wrong technique. And so what God is doing is he doesn't want us to have an at least mindset with the fruit that we bear. Well, at least I'm not doing what I used to do. And the Lord is saying, listen, you're not doing that because I pruned you then and I'm still trying to prune you now. And if you allow me to discipline you, if you allow me and understand that the, there's more on the other side of this, then the greatness we'll see and we'll understand truly the love that God has for us. Just like the vine dresser for, uh, for our fruitfulness, it depends on whatever the Lord is disciplining out of us. He's looking to add more fruit is what the scripture tells us. He says that he prunes us so that he, we may bear more fruit. I, I look at it like this. God wants us to model fruitfulness as fathers, as, as godly fathers. But in order for that, he may have to prune out the anger and the wrath that we take with our children at times. He, he, he wants us to model a, 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 a godly marriage that is full of sacrificial love and a sacrificial leadership, but, but the pruning may have to be getting rid of the selfishness and the greed. He, he, he wants us to produce a fruitfulness of faithfulness in us that when people see us, they see this very robust faith that's in Jesus Christ, but the pruning may be that he has to rid us of idolatry of self and material things. And so what we have to ask is, do we, do we want fruitfulness by God's standard or do we want the fruitfulness that the world says that's the mark of a good believer? Because those marks don't draw people to Christ. Those marks make people feel as though their level of morality, their level of good is available and, 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 can, and can be lived out in life. But the, 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 the fruit that God wants us to bear is one that draws them to the vine. It draws other branches to come in and try to figure out what is this vine that you're connected to? What is this source that has you here? And, and, and the love that God has for us is so great that he will not um, 
allow us to stay in those moments. There's seasons of, of, of fruitlessness where we're, we are not giving and not showing what is happening on the inside and God is patient with us. He's loving us and giving us enough grace to still keep us connected to the vine so he can do the work. Hebrews 12 and 6 says, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. The heart of pruning and discipline is the great love that God has for us as his followers. The Lord loves us so much he refuses to let us stay in a non-bearing state of connectivity to him. The farmer in the world of agriculture is proud of the growth of the crop and the plant, which is a great sign of care. It's a great sign of planting, of cultivation in the life of that crop. We too must be fruitful in our connection and relationship with Christ, but it will require pruning that is loving. It is it's full of grace. It's full of an understanding and a care for us as his, his followers, but it can be painful. But the pain is to only allow us to bear more so that others can know who the truth is and what the truth is about. This connection to fruitfulness further expands itself. We see first part of the passage, Jesus tells them, hey, within the Trinity, I'm the vine, the vine dresser, God, the Father is, is cultivating and shaping you and preparing you to bear more fruit, cutting things away. And that in the midst of you being cut and in the midst of you being pruned and being disciplined, there's more fruit for you to bear. But he also wanted them to know that in this me being the source of fruitfulness, there's, there's something that you also have to do. God has a role and a hand in this, and he's going to be faithful and just to do it. But for us as believers, we must know that consistent intimacy and dwelling with Christ is needed to experience much fruitfulness. Consistent intimacy and dwelling with Christ is needed to experience much fruitfulness and growth. He furthers this teaching by dropping the biggest cheat code on the disciples. And this cheat code worked for them, and it stretched all thousands of years later, and it's hitting us now. And if we tap into this, it'll act, help us access a, a, a deeper, not only a deeper level of faith, but a deeper closeness to who Christ is in our walk with him. And Jesus says this. This is the cheat code. Write it down. He says, abide in me and I in you. That's, that, that's what he says right at the beginning of verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. He's referring to this connectivity of this relationship as a two-way partnership. That, that as we abide in him, he will do the same for us. But there's a reason that God, Jesus, uses that abide almost four times within verses 4 and 5. He understands that him abiding in us, we never have to worry about. We can, we can bet our last check. On an on a, on a off day that Jesus will be present and connected to us. Here's, here's what he wants us to do. That we must be abiding in him. He, he, it's a reminder to the disciples that they can be connected to Jewish customs. They, they can be connected to the readings of the Torah. They, they, they can set themselves up for this, this legalistic customs within the traditions of the, of the time and the context of that time, but it won't produce any fruit in them. And just like they were connected to those things, we too can be connected. I told you earlier in the opening that these people that had turned away from the faith, that had walked out, were finding their source through, through, through community engagement. They found it through you know denominational and traditionalistic type of things, but none of that was found in the source who is divine. Jesus Christ. 
And so he tells them, he says, the word abide, four times between verses four and five, it's, it's the, the great importance of what it means to be in Christ and to remain faithful and to stay committed. But I also want to suggest that the reason he says it four times is for us to understand it's a continuous and a continual mindset. That, that it's not just, I wake up this week, I'm having a good month at work, nobody hates me, I'm making really good money, I'm in the Lord. Oh, this, this, my marriage is really great right now, I'm in the Lord. Children are acting well, they're not getting on my nerves, I'm intimate with God. No, the Lord says, abide in me and I in you. That, that, that as every day happens, whether up, down, in between, whether life is all upon you, whether all your bills are paid, or whether you're trying to figure out some financial things, abide in me and I in you. Because the, the fruit that, they, that we would bear would not be uh, the mark necessarily of our salvation, but it is a mark of what the salvation is doing in us, right? He's not saying abide in me because, no, no, no. He already told them in verse 3, he said, you're already clean. I already spoke the word to you. He's letting them. He's giving them reassurance. The teachings that you've heard from me, the work and the ministry that we've done, the faith that you've placed in me because you've believed on what I've told you, 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 you're, you're in the right place. You have been saved, but here's where I need you to know. I need you to not stop at salvation. I need your salvation to lead to a spirit and a place of abiding in me. That this transformative work that is taking place due to salvation is being shown forth in how you live that out. Remember, remember the fruit is an external showing of an internal feeling. Fruit is the representation of faith in Jesus Christ, which is why the importance of abiding or dwelling in Christ is so important in the life of the believer. There will be moments where fruit is not present because we aren't spending time. We aren't being intentional in doing the work of the spiritual development through a loving obedience to what is required. When we say abide, that's that's a mindset of being obedient to what God has required of us as believers. If I've placed my faith in Jesus, I need to be obedient to study his word. I need to be obedient to pray without ceasing. I need to be obedient to be engaged within gospel community. I need to be obedient to what God is calling me to do because in my obedience dwells the abiding and the intimacy with God. In those moments where we feel low and there is no fruit, nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, we haven't been abiding. We haven't been spending the necessary time, which is why we feel hopeless. Which is why we feel broken, which is why we feel the enemy speaking to us and letting us know, is this even worth it? Which is why the very things that comes that are part of suffering, a part of the building up that God is using to make us look more like Jesus is tearing us down. We don't see the purpose in it anymore. We don't understand it. We don't value those things that God is doing in and through us. When we don't spend that time, it also gives us an opportunity to do what the scripture tells us not to do. It, 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 it allows us to think that we can operate and grow without being connected. But the scripture gives us clear direction. It says this, it says in verse 5, it says, And abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. That apart from Christ, we can do nothing. If you miss anything else that I said, it, 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 I want you to tap in right here. The lack of connectivity with Christ as believers, that is our source to do anything. Acts 17, 28, Paul says this, for in him 
we live, move, and have our being, as so the poets wrote, right? That, that, that through Christ is the very source, that in him and through him all things have come, that they may be used by him. Spiritually, we will be able to do anything, we, 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 let alone bear any fruit. We, we can't walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians tells us about we cannot be bound to flesh but be responding to the mark of the Holy Spirit on the inside. We can't model Christ-like behavior with the Beatitudes. We, we, we can't serve God well. We can't pray effectively if there's ineffectiveness in our relationship with Christ. And that's the hard truth because we live in a world that says you can figure things out on your own. You get enough things, you get enough you know, platform, you get enough clout behind your name, you really don't need. It's all self-based. It's all, it's all centered around you. You can figure out this thing called life. But Christ wants us to know. Jesus wanted the disciples to know. Listen, you abiding in me is the true sign that things will be born, that you will bear fruit, but also that you will be able to operate in a spiritual development and progression in a way. We can't grow in Christ if we aren't connected in Christ. Right. We, we talk about that rotten fruit. You you may spend time uh, with the Lord. You know, for a season, maybe you had a good two weeks and you thrive off of the growth in that moment. But the Lord says there's more for you to do. But if there is no intimacy, if 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 our obedience to God in Christ is found through a love and a desire to do the will of God, it should mirror the exact love that God has for us in pruning and discipling us. That the very love that we should have not to to have intimacy with God as a checklist, not to spend time in his word as, OK, I did that this week. I should see some results. No, it should be out of a true, deliberate love, the same love that God has for us, that he's willing and wanting to prune us and discipline us for the sake of godliness, for the sake of holiness. That's the truth of the matter, that 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 it's the love that will help us remain intimate. What does he say early in 14 when he's talking to them about being one with the Father and, and the role of the Spirit? He tells them verse uh, chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is not a mandate to follow a legalistic set for secured salvation, but yet it is a choice made from the place of wanting to stay connected to Christ through a loving relationship. This, this desire of want is the same thing that Jesus is showing us, that he's the vine, that he, he wants to provide the fruitfulness for us. He, he wants to uh, have us be intertwined and connected for this, this harmonious beauty of, of one who's willing to give of himself to us so that we may be better fit for the world, we may be better fit for ourselves, for our families, for people that are connected to us, and ultimately be better fit to model the message of hope found in Jesus Christ the good news my wife my wife and I we commit to uh, developing our marriage and relationship by so every Monday we set aside time we pray and we read right now we're studying through the book of Romans and and in that prayer and in that reading we also spend time having some you know real honest conversation about how can I support you better this week how how what are some things that I didn't do well how did I offend how did I whatever the case may be and it's been very fruitful. It, 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 is, it, is, it is a beautiful commitment that we've made, and only by God's grace has our marriage grown because of us being intimate in the word and being very deliberate to read and study and grow together. It is a continual aspect of our lives. Every Monday, I get in from band practice, 
you know, we corral this wild group of kids that we have and we try to all get them in bed. We bathe them and keep them from falling and hurting themselves. And then we spend that time in the work. And it, when we are faithful to it, the fruitfulness of it is shown in many ways that, that, that uh, you know, as married people, we can all attest to that when we have been in the word, when we have spent time in prayer on that Monday, those next few days, the rest of that week, disagreements rise up. We, we miscommunicate, but there's a level of grace there. There's, we don't agree on this. May I said something, I maybe went too hard on a punishment for something, but there's an understanding. There's, there's some sacrificing there. But in those moments where life gets crazy, uh, uh, you know, I've got late rehearsals, I've got an extra PD meeting, my wife has meetings and things that she's doing, and we, we miss those Mondays, and, and, and we don't find that time, we can see the direct unfruitfulness of it. Now those conversations are a little bit more tense. Now, now there is uh, uh, some moments where we have to come back and reassess because we allow the busyness of life. We allow what uh, happens in our world by not staying on top of it. And it's not easy. It's hard. And this is what Jesus wanted the disciples to know, that, that if you abide in me, I'm going to leave and go far from here. We won't be able to be in each other's face like this. I'm going to go and prepare a place. And the things that's going to happen in this world will take you far away from me. And you, will, you won't bear the same fruit that you're bearing now as us walking hand in hand. And Jesus is telling us the same thing. You got to make it a, 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 an attempt and an intentionality to be in the scriptures, to be obeying what we've read and not to try to live off of this, this snack or, 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 or this, this power pack of the Lord. But no, we're, we're investing in the word, we're investing in prayer, and we understand that apart from those things, apart from praying fervently, apart from reading the scriptures, apart from studying, apart from communicating in gospel community, there's nothing we can do. There's, there's no way that we can live, and to the untrained eye, it seems as though we have it all together, but we know that there's nothing but darkness on the opposite end of that, that that, that branch doesn't bear fruit, that it's, it's spoiled fruit that should have been cut away so that more fruit can be grown. It's, 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 it's rotten fruit that should have been cut away so more fruit can be shown and grown, and we know that God is wanting us to do this for the sake of others that are watching us. That as people see us doing life, that they're seeing the fruit because of us abiding in him. We must, as followers, see the direct correlation of intimacy with Christ produces the authentic fruit in our lives. That has weight and substance to it. Not, not the fake things that we try to pass off as fruit. Negligence and inadequate attention to continued intimacy with Christ will never amount to anything but prolonged seasons of ineffectiveness and pain because lack of abiding. That's where we experience those moments where we don't think it's worth it. I can be transparent. There's moments and been seasons in my life where because I'm busy with work, because I'm build, busy building my own sandcastles, that as they fall, I become depressed. I, I become uh, frustrated with the things of life. But then I have to get back to the core and say, if I'm a branch connected to the vine, there's a reason that these things are falling flat on their face. It's because I'm, I'm no longer abiding. I'm no longer getting into the word and submitting my works unto the Lord. 
I'm no longer submitting my children to the Lord. I'm no longer submitting my, my marriage to the Lord in a faithful and, and, and intentional way. And it's okay because in that moment, that's the aspect of what God is pruning out of us so he can get more fruit out of us. That in the moment that you recognize that, that's the Holy Spirit through the power of God opening your eyes, opening your ears to say, wait a minute, I need to get back on track. I need to find my way back to walking in line with Christ so that the very thing that I'm abiding in, he will bring out the fruit that will cause me to continue to grow and develop further. I, I, I can tell you when my students have made intentional and consistent habits of practice because it shows up in the classroom. Every Friday is a test day. My kids, they know it. They walk into the band hall, oh, it's test day Fridays. They know it. They understand whatever principal, objective, whatever we've been working on, Friday is the day that you will show me have you put in the work over the course of this week. I, I can tell within the the, 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 the first sound made on the keyboard or the first stroke on the snare drum or whatever the case may be. I can tell the practice has been made. And much like those students, God knows and others know that are following Christ if we've had our consistent intimacy to, with Christ to bear fruit that shows this inward transformation. But it also ministers to those that are not in the faith. The branch by itself, the, the, the Bible says that it's purposeless. But with the vine, it can produce something so beautiful. And the branch must be reminded daily that without connection to Christ, the true vine will just, the, the, the branch rather, will just simply wither away. Our dependence and relationship with Christ is vital. It's the source that we have to tap into daily, weekly, and monthly. And, and, and when I read this scripture, it further convicted me of making sure that I don't turn my intimacy into a checklist, but I turn it into a way of life. That, that yes, I've set aside time to dwell with God and read, but are there other moments that God is wanting to, to get out of my life as well? To prune, to cause intimacy, to cause connectivity, so that way the fruit that I'm bearing, there can be more fruit to bear for my children who are learning about Christ, who need to see the model of grace, who need to see the model of, 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 you know, of, of, of faithfulness and hope. Maybe the people that I work with, we have those conversations. When those conversations end, they're still watching to see the fruitfulness of what I'm doing. And, and, and what we see here as we go into another week, as we walk into a, another trial, another conversation, another issue, another whatever the case may be, um, the living that we do in this world, we need to be reminded that our intentionality with Christ to be intimate with the true vine will help us bear the fruit that's needed for our progression and our spiritual development and that apart from that, nothing works. Not a little bit, no, no, that we, we can't judge what works by the amount. The Bible says that it is useless. Nothing, you can do nothing. And although we have placed our stake in things that make us feel good, God has said, listen, I want to prune you. And in that pruning and in that, that, that discipline, I, I still want you to be obedient to be abiding in my son, to be dwelling with Christ. And let us be obedient in doing the things that God wants us to do for our growth and development, development in him so that we may bear much fruit. The, the scripture says it in the beginning. He says that I prune you so you can have more fruit. Then he tells them that if you abide in me, 
you will bear much fruit. That's good news. I don't know about you. Even in moments where <laughs> there's been lowliness in my walk, I, I haven't been as committed as I should have. The fact that the Lord says, I'm still willing to give you more. It's the good news that these disciples, we look through their, their play out of their lives. Peter denied Jesus, but there was more fruit for Peter to bear as he preached a sermon. Paul murdered Christians and, and persecuted people, but there was more fruit for Paul to bear. And just like them, God is wanting to, us to bear the same, that he's, he's, he's concerned with where we are because he has more for us to do for the sake of our lives and the sake of others. That abiding in Christ is good for us as well as it is for those that are in unbelief. Let's pray.